Hey there, you're listening to What the Riff? Join us as we remember the great rock and roll hits from a month between 1965 and 1995. We're going to riff on all things about the bands, the members, and the goings-on during that time. We hope to inspire you to find and download the songs you hear today, whether you're fans who forgot about some of these tracks or maybe never even heard them before. Check out our blog at whattheriff.com or follow us on Facebook at What the Riff. Here's a shout-out to our sponsors, the Southeastern Railway Museum in Duluth, Georgia, Stanton Electric, a commercial electrical specialist, and Marbury Creative Group, a brand development agency that helps companies tell it better. So let's turn up the volume and enjoy this episode of What the Riff? A jury finds John Wayne Gacy guilty of murdering 33 in Chicago, receives the death sentence. Mount St. Helens becomes active 123 years after its eruption. Polish airliner crash kills L-87 aboard. 22 are U.S. amateur boxers. This is March of 1980. You're listening to What the Riff, and I'm John. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. And I'm Bruce. And we have a special guest with us, Mr. Craig Dale, is a friend of mine, and he is joining us for this podcast. Hey, guys. Thanks for letting me be here. Glad you're here. And why is he here, Bruce? You know, he, he is here because last week he sent me a text. He's been listening to all, all of our podcasts, and he said, let me know if you ever do Flirting with Disaster, because that would be a great song, great album to do. And I said, guess what? We already are, have that lined up. Why don't you come on in? All right. That works out pretty good. And this is Molly Hatchet. I mean, if this is a fun song. You may have heard of Molly Hatchet before. I mean, the, this grooves, the, the, the vocals are very familiar. It's, 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 it's very distinct. And um, the, the lead singer is Danny Joe Brown. And he would leave after this album. But man, this album has his fingers all over this. You just, I mean, that baritone just going to town on this. The song is called Let the Good Times Roll. And it's not the remake of the Cars hit. Yeah, I was wondering when I saw it. I would say almost that this was a deep cut, but I pray this was happening at the time. I mean, this was on the radio. Basically, every one of their songs ended up being just about like this right here. And all three guitars always rocking and going at it. That was the best part. And that, you say it, but it was n- very unusual having three lead guitarists on oh, here. Oh, wow. And they would trade licks all the way down. And very so, different styles. Each one yeah. of them very different stylistically, too. And and it all, you know, we talk about what the riff, they were riffing off each other. I mean, so here goes. All right, all right, now. Over here, you can hear just almost trade guitars on this. Yeah, most usually you have two lead guitarists. You don't, you don't really, you don't really see three too often. You get a, you know, Leonard Skinner had the three guitars like that, and you, you would get a lot of that sometimes with with some of those other bands. So they were very similar in that regard. Well, Craig, if you guys know this lyric, this is your kind of rock and roll lyric. Give me wine, women, whiskey, and rock and roll, and let me sleep my days away. <laughs> so they're letting the good times roll, drinking and... Are you saying they're up all night, sleep all day? <laughs> all right. All right, here is the hit song, if you call number 42. Did you say 42? That's all. This oh, one too. that's a travesty, It man. is a travesty. So 
You could call this their breakout hit. Uh, this is their first and highest charting hit. So really, I mean, but this is the ultimate Molly Hatchet song. And anybody know the song? Absolutely. This is the this is the one I could tell you for sure if you said, "What's the song that Molly Hatchet did?" Flirting with disaster. I think this would off, often be their encore song, the final one. Oh, I bet. They, would, they yeah. would perform in concert. Yeah. Guys, these guys are based out of Jacksonville, Florida. So you can see where they've got their pedigree. They they started a little after Lyndon Skinner. But, you know, this is their second album, Flirting with Disaster. And it would peak at ninth. The album would peak at 19. It was two-time platinum, so it sold over two million copies in the U.S. And it is their best-selling album. This is to me. This feels like a cross between Leonard Skinner and like ZZ Top. Yes. Like the the the, the way the riffs run, the way the the, the lyrics kind of move, and the the pace of the song is such a. It's I like the music. I like the sound. It's a really good sound. Obviously, it's a great song. Yeah, it's Southern rock. It's yeah, Southern yeah. rock at some of the finest. This album is probably one of those albums that if you're gonna have, put it in your Southern rock collection i mean this is one of those ones this black crows baby they also had some very iconic album covers if you ever yes. saw those. all right anybody know the album cover on this one you remember it what was it what it look like i just think of molly hatchet and i think of a guy with a sword or a mace or something he had a, a big battle horse. axe he had a huge battle axe okay and it is called dark kingdom and it shows a viking coming to you it has a winged helmet and he has this big huge battle axe and it's by a artist named Frank Rosetta. Frank Rosetta, yeah. He was a comic book artist. He, yeah, comic books, everything else. Uh, I mean, a lot of covers of uh, Conan the Barbarian yep, yep. Uh, covers, things like that. And he, met, his art goes for big, big bucks. I met Frank Rosetta. Did you really? Yeah, I sure as heck did. And at the Charlotte Comic Book Convention in nine, I want to say it was like 1985 or 1986. I think it was that year. Yeah, he's since passed. His paintings are his freaking believable. Is iconic. Did he do all their covers? He did this one and the one before it. Um, he did one uh, was called the Death Dealer. It's the guy on the horse that has all in black and has this another one where it has a huge battle axe and it has blood dripping off. Of okay. It. And it, it's sort of like that iconic. Ring Wraith from Lord of the Rings look. I'm guessing Molly Battleaxe didn't have the same <laughs> ring to it, though. <laughs> Tell well, me about the name. All right. Molly Hatchet is from a name from a prostitute who allegedly mutilated and decapitated her clients. <laughs> wow. Like, you, don't get, you don't get much repeat business if you keep doing that. Seems like a terrible uh, sales move. Was it was it based on reality in any way? Uh, well, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure there's a Molly Hatchet out there, or someone that called sounds, her Molly it Hatchet. Like, it sounds like like folklore, or like yeah. a legend of an area. It probably or was. I didn't get really involved. When I saw that, I went, "Oh yeah, that's too cool to even look up." But today, it's a kinder, gentler time where you just wake up in the tub full of ice with your kidneys gone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> kidneys gone, just gone. Our run through a trip is. Uh, a chipper shredder. <laughs> well, that's it. If you're uh, if you're in the the Great White Fargo in North Dakota, yeah. <laughs> Molly <laughs> Wood Chipper doesn't sound nearly as dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, this song's been in tons of little movies and TV shows. I mean, my name is Earl, King of the Hill, Supernatural, Dukes of Hazard, Suspect Zero. Wow. I mean, Vito Games, NASCAR 98, Rock Band. I mean, come on. All right, now, has anybody flirted with disaster before? You mean like in like almost lose your life? Yes. Oh, I, it, a half a hundred times. You're talking There's, to people who grew up in the 60s and 70s. Yeah. No seatbelts. Me <laughs> on a with. dare, I did 70 miles per hour in a 25 mile per hour curve in an old F-150 with a friend who was in the bed of the oh, truck. Oh, you're trying to kill that dude. <laughs> or us too. I'm sure we weren't wearing seatbelts, but yeah. Right. I was flirting with disaster then, so yeah. You must have had amazing brand new wheels on that truck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. All right. Now, this is the deep cut. It's called Good Rockin'. And it's a good, fun song. I mean, once again, there you go. All right. Move on to another guitarist. The thing about Danny Joe Brown is he was also a really great whistler. Really? So if you really, if you hear his songs... If you listen to the, most of these songs, they'll, they'll have an, a, a plate where he whistles in it, and it's loud, and it's a part of the it, – it's it's one of the main things that he does. That's interesting. Yeah, I heard it in Flirting with Disaster. That, yeah, yeah, it was it was pretty cool. But, yeah. So this album, I mean, it, it grooves. To me, this is one of those ones you got to put in your database. I call it sweaty Southern rock because, to me, this is – you're out in, a, in an outdoor venue, it's 90 degrees, and you're drinking a good Miller Lite. <laughs> and Is there really such a thing as a good Miller Lite? <laughs> and this story there is, Rob. Okay. okay, okay, it's Wayne's story. Molly Hatchet did not like the term Southern Rock given to them. They just thought, hey, we're a rock and roll band. We're just a heavy metal band from the south we just happen to be from the south we don't like your labels bro exactly who else was from jacksonville no yeah, i mean it's leonard skinner we talked about earlier so yeah i what? mean and tom was petty tom petty yeah, yeah. Oh, a lot of great yeah groups came out of there yeah it's interesting you got skinner and the almond brothers and molly hatchet they're all southern rock you yeah. don't think of uh, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, though, as Southern Rock. They no. didn't fit in that genre. They, it's a it's a different feel. Yeah. I think technically, I think technically, one of his albums kind of meanders into the Southern Rock genre. I think it's listed as Southern Rock. Well, yeah, I'd I'd buy that, but I mean, Tom Petty was kind of covered the he, uh, he huge the gambit, yeah. gambit, yeah. So Mala Hatchet was formed in 1971, and yeah. Really, they did get their influences from Leonard Skinner and Almond Brothers. I mean, it's easy to see. And this is, I don't know, it, hell, it may be biker bar music if you, if you want to call it that. But, yeah, it's, it's they're out there still performing. I don't know, has anybody seen them recently or, or back in the past? I think I, I read where all of the original musicians and all the, that made up have all died yeah. since then. So it's literally a ghost band <laughs> right now. So no one from that cl- this classic lineup at this time is alive, let alone part of the band. You know, 
you got people like you know Mick Jones from Foreigner who occasionally plays with the group, but you know the whole group is basically a ghost band, and it's the same thing kind of with this one. But now no one has a name except for whoever the guy that came in like in 1960s. All right, guys, I can't say this was a hit because it wasn't. But my God, this was all over the radio. This is the follow-up song to Flirt and Disaster. You know what? There's an interesting uh, factoid about this song. This song came out exactly 11 years and six months before Africa by Toto was released <laughs> as a hit. Um, and I'm pretty sure this was an influential force on that I think song. so. I think that's why <laughs> Wayne likes Toto so much. Hey, Craig, what drew you to Molly Hatchet? Like, what, what's your connection there? So, I was telling Bruce, my, my brother was eight years older than me. So, he he grew up with all of the 70s music. Yep. And, and I had no control over the, any of the, the music the we listened to. Right. <laughs> so, I grew up on all of the stuff that came out with when Molly Hatchet growing up. Atlanta Rhythm Section, yeah. Leonard Skinner, all of those. So, I have all of that in my blood. And then when I got old enough to... I, I never moved away from it. Yep. So yeah. I always, I always liked it. But I, that southern rock, I, that's just that's, that's just your genre. Yeah. You know, one of the other interesting things is that after Danny Joe Brown left the band after this album, they kind of tanked for a couple of them. They brought another guy in. People just didn't like them, and then they reformed, and he came back with them. But I also heard the. He was a he was battling type one diabetes as yeah. well, so there was, there was a dude. little bit of yeah. stuff that was involved with that. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, we didn't talk about the song, but the song is "Whiskey Man." I hear it in the background, yeah. and it is an anti-drinking song because you start to get straight, then you get weak, can't see, you're on a losing streak, and basically it's about somebody who's an alcoholic. Yeah, and he just likes to drink his whiskey and. You know, but here a lot of people kind of take it, hey, just a big party song. Interesting. But I talked about, you know, drinking and things like that. Who remembers when you went out and you wanted draft beer instead of regular canned beer? You'd go get draft beer and gallon jugs. Anybody ever do that back in the day? I remember my dad getting them like that. Yeah. So, you know, you, it was one way you could get a draft beer. I mean, a gallon was, you know, I mean, there's about eight beers in that. So, yeah, you could have a. Or you get like a big pitcher. They give you a yeah, pitcher. Yeah. It's like a growler that they yeah, do exactly. nowadays. Yeah, exactly. Is exactly. that a way of avoiding the revenue? Or? <laughs> I guess back in the day for us, yes. And did you hear the harmonica? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Have a small side note for Bruce here. Uh-oh, Bruce. Uh-oh. All right. B.B. Borden was in this group. He was also known as B.B. Queen, who is a member of the rock band Mother's Finest. Mother's Finest. He joined Mother's Finest in 81, so a little after this. Okay. Once again, Molly Hatchet, if you like Southern Rock, go, go download this album. Know, do the greatest hits if you want to, but yeah, it's a ghost band. You can go see them. You can see them in clubs nowadays. Every song on this album just rocks about like that, dude. That's awesome. Thanks for joining us on that one, Craig. Now we're going into our entertainment track. 
Brought to us by the Southeastern Railway Museum in Duluth, Georgia. Sweet. All right. Well, we're going country on this. Coal Miner's Daughter. You guys know why? Movie? There was a movie based on the life of Loretta Lynn. You remember the actress? Oh, yeah. That's Sissy Spacek, wasn't it? Yep, exactly. Talked about her early teens. She was in a poor family and getting married at 15. Wow. Yeah. That was that was back in the day. So, yeah. It's a fun story song, though. I, I like this. was back when it was two types of music. Country. Country and Western. <laughs> oh, my God. Both kinds? All right. Elsewhere, movies. Little Darlings, a teen drama with Tatum O'Neill and Christy McNichol and Matt Dillon and... That was very titillating, if I remember at the time, and it turns out both those women were ended up being gay. So. <laughs> the Changeling, a supernatural horror film with George C. Scott. I don't remember that one. Steve McQueen was in a movie called Tom Horn. It was a western. I don't remember that, but it had to be towards the end of his career there, you know, before he pa- passed. And then we talked about disaster films before. When Time Ran Out, it was a disaster film with Paul Newman, Jacqueline Bissett, and William Holden. It was produced by Erin Allen, who did all those, and that thing flopped. And that was the end of those disaster movies that came out at that time. I mean, technically, wasn't Jaws, like, still circulating in the movie theaters at this point? Uh, Not in 1980. No, that Jaws came out in, what, 74? Well, what about Titanic? Yeah. No. Too soon. Yeah, too soon. Too soon, <laughs> Bruce. All right, TV March of 1980. The Six People's Choice Awards. Burt Reynolds and Jane Fonda win. And Alan Alda and Carol Burnett win. Uh, the season finale of Dallas, where J.R. Union is shot. Spoiler alert, my gosh. We don't know who shot him, though. <laughs> Nightline with Ted Koppel premieres on ABC. That's incredible. If you guys remember, that was a reality TV. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. That was a favorite of mine. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. They, they, I forgot what that show. Like, I forget. I, I remember seeing like the intro to that show, but I don't remember like what they t- what they covered. It's sort of odd things that people could do. You know, oh, like weird talents, kind of stupid human tricks, but on a grander scale. So basically, YouTube before it was cool. You had real people, and that's incredible. Passing of March of 1980. Jay Silverhills, and if you know him, he was Tonto, the companion of Lone Ranger. All right, well, that's entertainment from March of 1980, and now we're going to our staff picks, and Bruce is going to lead us off. Guys, we just keep popping off the hits from this group. Well, the albums had only two hits, and that was it. So it's like, but yeah, the greatest hits of this is great. Oh, yeah. I love this group. This is The Babies, Back on My Feet Again. And John Waite is the front man. And this song went to number 33 on the Billboard Hot 100. That's it? Really? Yes. And it would be their fourth and final top 40 hit. Oh, I thought, I mean, like I said, I thought there was at least eight great songs from them. Yeah, John Wade. Well, you know how it is, though. It might be that they had a lot of, of hits on FM radio that didn't make it into the, the pop charts. That's a possibility. This is off of the album Union Jacks. And for this, for this tour, they opened for Journey. 
and their keyboardist, who is a young man named Jonathan Kane, uh-huh. would end up joining Journey after that. They poached. They totally poached him. They might have. Well, I don't know. They were close to. This is this is very close to the end of the the line for for the babies. Um, yeah, John Wade would go on his own. Yeah, eventually became the toddlers, didn't they? <laughs> you can't you can't stay the babies forever. Can yeah, you? You can't. then the preteens. So in December 1980, Wade was pulled off the stage in Cincinnati by a maybe overly ambitious fan during the encore and he injured his knee pretty badly and it made it hard for him to get back on his feet again. Oh my gosh. Well, at least he didn't fall head first. <laughs> well, this is true. Didn't he, did he be singing putting on the Ritz? They did have one further concert in Akron after that and then they canceled the rest of the tour and the band broke up basically at that point. A lot of people, a lot of speculation as to why the band broke up. The main, the most common reason is that the members were just disappointed that they didn't have greater success than they did. And, and I can kind of see that. They had a great sound, but uh, they just never took off. Yeah, I really, um, really like John Wade. I like the babies. I think what Wayne said is interesting that on their albums, their songs weren't as uh, similar across the album is like Molly Hatchet. Molly Hatchet, you just play the whole album and it all fits together. The babies are like different different levels of talent, I think. You can tell, well, album. John Waite was the big talent on that. I mean, and he, he did great songs before this and then afterwards on his own. He's one of those singers, too, that just has such a distinctive voice. When you yeah, hear him yeah. come on, you know it's John Waite. It's yeah. like Steve Perry. You recognize that voice immediately. John Waite's one of those one of those guys. Yep. Okay, this song reminds me of my freshman year at Parkview. Let's clap. And how much airplay did this get? So much. It was fun to dance to. It was a great video. Kind of that 50s, 60s style in the 80s. It's got a nice beat. It's easy to dance to. Exactly. I give it a 10. Exactly. Wally Palmer, Mike Skill, and Jimmy Marinos wrote this in 1979. It came out on their debut album. This is What I Like About You by The Romantics. Marinos is the lead singer here. He's the drummer. What other drummer singers can you think Phil of? Bill Collins. Bill Collins. The guy from uh, Night Ranger. Chris Cornell. Chris Cornell was a drummer doing when he started off in, in the in the band. How about the guy in the Eagles? Don Henley, you really consider him a singer? <laughs> I'm sorry. I apologize, the, Mr. Henley. I'm just playing. How about the Beatles? The Beatles had a, had a drummer that could sing. Octopus's Garden, baby. That's right. These guys were formed in Detroit in 1977. And they played for about three years. Uh, before they started to get some notice, and they were signed to a uh, record label, and this is their debut album. I read that uh, this was heavily influenced by the style of Over, Under, Sideways, Down by the Yardbirds. I mean, I can kind of see some Oh, this is like straight that. That, that 60s garage rock band. Chuck Berry's back in the USA also. Yeah. And... The riff is similar to Neil Diamond's Cherry Cherry 
the Standells, sometimes good guys don't wear white, and Joe Jackson's I'm the Man. So it's influenced by a lot. And Lynch, you just can't go wrong with that harmonica. Oh, that oh harmonica gosh. is when you, mad. When you insert a harmonica well into a song, instant hit. Instant hit. This only made it to number 49 on the U.S. chart. Really? And this was all over the charts back in the this day. This thing had to hit higher than that later on when it was like on like 90 movies. By yes. the end of the 80s, it appeared on commercials for Budweiser and a lot of different movies and sports arena. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, oh, and I tell you what, Weird Al is missing out if he doesn't do what I like about Jews. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And that's how What the Riff ended. And <laughs> canceled. <laughs> Talking in your sleep made it to number three, and one in a million made it to number 37. Fun band. Wait a minute. Did he just... (laughs) What instrument is that? The lip harp. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Now we're moving on to... Oh, my gosh. Wayne's staff pick. (laughs) This is actually my staff pick. But I dedicate it to you, Wayne. Uh, Thank you. This is... This is Olivia Newton-John. Who doesn't love Olivia Newton-John? We we covered her a couple episodes ago. This technically has a guitar in it. Yeah. Sort of of rock. I think there's a drum machine machine in the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's somebody tapping their foot. I covered Olivia Newton-John a few episodes back, and I was really hoping to get a bigger reaction out of Wayne, and I didn't get it, and I think Lynch looked over and said, Hold Hold my beer. I can take. Hold I can take care light. of this. I'm coming. I'm coming hard. Okay, this is this is magic by Olivia Newton-John. Debuted at 13 on the charts, straight to number one. Hot 100 number one hit. So while your guys' 46s and 55s couldn't <laughs> handle it, this song was dominating. By the way, it was displaced by which song? Christopher Cross's Sailing, also an amazing rock hit. <laughs> Different genre of rock, though, Lynch. We're going to bring you to the, our new podcast, What the Hell is John Bringing on Our Podcast? <laughs> okay, this song uh, was, was on the Xanadu album. It was the number one release, the first single they released off of the, off of the uh, soundtrack album from the Xanadu movie that came out in 79. Um, I tell you what, I have a lot of memories about this movie because it was like one of the only VCR tapes that we owned in oh. in our house. So like you had to watch it over so, and over So again. mom put John in front of the TV and just kept on hitting Let me get play. this straight. Back in the day when there was very few VCRs out there, yeah, yeah. your mom got Xanadu. Must have been on sale. Must have been on sale. That was in the you. dollar bin like for sure. The, the dollar bin. And when you only have like three three movies, you just watch them over and over again. Well, the other thing about this is it, it had it had Olivia Newton John in it, who was a known star. She was she was so hot. Yeah. And they had ELO was yeah. was Xanadu was to ELO what Saturday Night Fever was to the Bee Gees, which is. A really sad commentary on ELO, yeah. I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you dissing the Bee Gees like that? Oh, Why do you say that? Uh, 
This is obviously like during the disco, like the end of the disco era. Um, the Xanadu was kind of this, 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 she, she plays a muse come down from, from Olympia, Olympia, right? She's a, she's a muse for like this songwriter guy and she comes down and, and, and helps him out in, in the movie and on, on roller skates. Why they're on roller skates? I don't know, but they are on roller skates and it was amazing. I'm a dude. I didn't see that movie. <laughs> You're a dude. You should see this movie. Yeah. She's crazy hot in this movie. Yeah. I will say this, this the Xanadu has become a big play that you'll see in you know high schools and and, and really different things. It's uh, like a musical huh. that's done frequently these days, and it still has roller skates. I mean, it should. Why would you get rid of roller skates? I mean, honestly, though, if you watch some of the choreography from the from the from this song when they've seen this song in the movie, it's the choreography for the time was just way ahead of everything else was this before or after let's get physical let's get physical came right after this I yeah because yeah. that was i mean you're right she was like she was on a lot of posters you know yeah uh, yeah back in the day john this is one of john john lennon in an interview shortly before he was assassinated said magic and all over the world were two of, by by electric light orchestra were two of his favorite songs from 1980 so i mean what does he know about music? That's a good endorsement. <laughs> like Wayne is like staring daggers at me for bringing the song. That's uh, over. <laughs> so worth it. All right. Now we're going to our guest, Craig. What do you have for us today, Craig? Well, we're going to stick with the same genre. No, we're not. Um, <laughs> good. Thank you. <laughs> whoa, whoa. The hate. <laughs> Interestingly enough, there are uh, four people that are credited for this album and it's from pink floyd their double album the wall roger waters david gilmore richard wright and the little boy was roger waters son harry oh, oh okay. really that was recorded now listen to this riff this is what the riff so listen If you listen to this and it goes out the same way, you can compare it. And it's very, very, very similar to Metallica's Fade to Black. Oh, yeah. From the Ride, from the, Ride the Lightning album. So, yeah, this is Pink Floyd. You kind of hear the song. It's a lot of a lot of stuff going on with it. There's some really soaring vocals and really cool, like light melodic sounds. That is that is matched by some pretty pretty harsh lyrics that are borderline paranoid. I would say. Yeah. Well, if you remember <laughs> in the album, this is when it starts getting kind of crazy in the album with all the cartoon stuff right. and. Uh, eroticism with mixed with uh, uh, I guess airplanes coming to bomb right. the whole look mommy there's another plane in the sky is dealing with World War II right and the Blitz and all these German bombers are blowing up London and other cities right what what's interesting is that it in this in the movie they changed the order and put this song in a different place than they did on the album oh, okay it I didn't follows that. On, on the album it follows the song mother yeah 
but in the movie, Mother and and Goodbye Blue Sky were both animated, so they didn't want to have two animated oh, okay. tracks back to back, so yeah. they separated the two of them. This is uh, this is on my sleep track. This is uh, like Heather has a very specific songs we can listen to. Hart actually did a cover of this as well. Oh wow. That was great. Thank you, Craig. We covered it episode 243, The Wall. Check it out. All right. I put this song on our database probably the first week we had the database on. And it is my favorite heart song. It's from Babe Lestrange. And guys, this song builds and then it explodes. Oh, that vocalist there is Ann Wilson. Nice. As you start hearing her, oh my goodness. That voice, that is one of those iconic voices of rock and roll. When you think about rock females, I mean, you've got you to think Ann Wilson, you got to think Joan Jett, you got to think Pat Benatar. I think that that's kind of the triumvirate at the top well, there. Janis Joplin. Yes, you're, you're right. She's, she's more blues-based, and she was a little before my time. I mean, she, no auditude here. I can't express this. This is pure talent. She's belting this song like a gospel singer. And the song, Rockin' Heaven Down, buddy. Ah. I, I, I'm telling you, man, I've been in love with her voice since, like, the very first second I heard her sing. Yep. Like, like you hear her and you're like, my God, what a, what a, what a God-given talent this, this woman yeah. has. Oh, she just absolutely blasts I listened to this song about four or five times, and I was just going, okay, I've got to go see Heart. It's on my bucket list now. So next time they're coming around, they're, they're getting back for 50th anniversary, yep. and I am booking Bro, tickets let's for that. go. That's right. Well, wait until I break up with yeah, somebody. There. I need you to get with a get with a lady, and then book tickets with her. Break up and call me up and let me know that you have a ticket available. How many times have we done that? That's three times. Three times now. Three times <laughs> I've gotten her ticket and counting. Yeah, baby. <laughs> you can tell how many times I've broken up the with somebody. The year is young, my friend. <laughs> hey, Wayne, do you like um, Magic by Livy Newton-John or Magic Man by Heart better? Oh, Magic Man. Oh, my goodness. Are you freaking kidding me? Wow, no. for real, Rob? You got to yeah. set me up like that? Yeah. <laughs> I like Magic. For the record, Lynch, I like Magic. Really? You like Magic more than Magic Man? No, but I like oh. it. Oh, I was going to say, wow. I didn't no. say that. I even picked Magic, and I like Magic Man more than Magic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this is the last rock album, if you want to call it, from Heart. They kind of uh, went to a lull for a few years until the mid-80s, and they decided to kind of change their look, and they changed their songwriting. They had somebody else come in songwriting, and so this is when they, you know, had their other, I I guess, more popish. It's really stuck in the mid-80s song. But this song, man, listen to her, man. Gives me goosebumps on this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell. We don't, we don't often do this tied to, to modern day music, but I'm gonna do it just real quick. 
if you want to listen to three bands who were obviously influenced by heart, so the, their singers bring this kind of level of talent, you need to listen to Dorothy. She's a modern modern rock, uh, female rock just, uh, singer. You need to listen to um, ZZ Ward, modern rock singer, amazing voice. And you need to listen to um, Hailstorm. All three of those are rock bands with lead female singers that will rock like this. And if you like this music, you're going to love them. Oh, man. I mean, I, to me, it's it's grand music. Epic. It is that this one guy I saw a comment said, if this song is not played at my funeral, I'm not going. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is, you, you hit, it, hit the nail on the head. I was thinking epic when you said it. And this is a song, you could see them jamming for like 20 minutes on it if they wanted to in concert. Oh, yeah. This is a, a, a I mean, a six-minute song, basically. And, yeah, this whole last part is the guitar. It's going nuts. It's not it's not Nancy on this, and she's the one who started off with the 12-string electric guitar. Yeah. She's usually playing the rhythm in this, but, yeah. I mean, I mean, but man, Anne is just going to town. So. It also reminds me a little bit of Doobie Brothers' I Cheat the Hangman. It's yeah. got that a similar yeah. uh, riff in it. All right, top hits of March 1980, Crazy Little Thing Called Love by Queen. Another Brick in a Wall, part two with Pink Floyd, Andy Gibb, Desire. Andy Don- Gibb, I'll bring, them, I'll bring him to you, don't worry. <laughs> Donna Summer on the radio, working my way back to you, babe, The Spinners. All right, some albums that came out. Harry Chafin had one, The Psychedelic Furs, Billy Joel, Glass Houses, Def Leppard, On Through the Night. That's a great album, really. Journey Had Departure, The Beach Boys, says Keep Summer Alive. Triumph, Progressive Power, Ambrosia, Van Halen, Scorpions, Joe Perry Project, even Air Supply. <laughs> Air Supply. And this is a mere two years before Africa and uh, <laughs> And I would say with Air Supply, even the nights are better. Even the nights are better. That's All correct. right. We just finished rocking Heaven Down, guys. You've been listening to What the Riff. March of 1980, I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. I'm John. I'm Bruce. And I'm Craig. Thank you for joining us, Craig. Hope you guys enjoy it. See you next time. Thanks for listening to What the Riff? We hope you enjoyed the songs we had on tap today. Please tell your friends about us. Check us out at whattheriff.com and follow us on Facebook. Special thanks to our sponsors, the Southeastern Railway Museum, Stanton Electric, and Marbury Creative Group. That's all for this week. See you next week on What the Rift?